Hello, and welcome to Forgot My Transmitter Podcast. I'm Dave Campbell, and I'll be the host as we interview locators from all over North America and around the world. This is my first attempt at podcasting, so please bear with me as I grow my skills in hosting. I'm an introvert, which is why I like locating, but I know this show will help other locators learn new things and laugh a little to make your job easier. Today's show was an interview with Mark Thurtell from Ontario, Canada. He was my previous supervisor and originally hired me to locate public utilities. He has many years of experience and great advice. He also talks about a high-profile gas damage from 2003 that took seven lives, and as a result, new locate practices were developed following the incident. So let's get started. So welcome welcome to the show, Mark. And if you would like to tell us some things about yourself, how you became a locator and, and what you currently locate. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So I originally started out in the locating field kind of by chance back in 2006. Just posting and ended up applying for a position. They posting said that they gave you a car and a computer and phone and some freedom. And I thought that sounded good. So I applied. It sounded almost too good to be true at the time. But anyway, so I started locating basically telecom and, and gas to start with, with this company. And that, it moved on from there. We started locating, you know, different utilities, so obviously power, cable TV, water, sewer, all that. So I kind of cut my teeth with telecom and gas with this company. Yeah. And I really liked the job and stuck it out for, you know, 17 years with that company. And I currently work for a local distribution company for, uh, for power. And I do power locates now. What were your original plans for your, for your career? Originally, I went to school. I took law and security administration. So I was trying to get into uh, policing and I worked. So directly out of college, I got hired and worked at a casino as a surveillance supervisor. And it was kind of an inside job. Well, very inside job. You're in the casino all day and it's 12 hour shifts as a supervisor and just really long days. So anyway, left that job and kind of did some construction work in between worked in the chemical plants and and did some work as a contractor in there for a bit yeah and then i was laid off in the winter time and i just happened to be searching some job boards and i saw that position come up as a locator didn't know the first thing about locates never had one done i put a fence up a couple years prior to applying for this job and didn't call for them i didn't yeah yeah didn't really consider it as a career, you know what I mean? Like, no. or never thought of it, right? So, like I said, just happened to kind of stumble on it, and you know, I I really liked the job. It, it offered some freedom. We made decent money. There was overtime available. Well, I had a young child at the time, so it worked out good. I had, you know, it was basically straight days, whereas at the casino I was on rotating shifts, so right and busy more nights, was, weekends would be busy. Yeah, for it was a good. Yeah, exactly. It was a good fit. So holidays, we were open holidays, right? So you had to be there, yeah. especially surveillance. You were there 24-7 because you got to keep an eye on on the casino, right? So yeah. anyway, yeah. It's, uh, huh. So it was a good uh, good fit for me at the time, and it worked out. I kind of worked my way up within that company, and I was promoted in 2012, I believe. I was promoted to into a QA role, and then I started doing training, so... 
I would do all the entry level training with all the new hires. You know, it was a five day course and so basically teach that down in, in the main office. So yeah. I used to do that for a bit and then the opportunity came up to move into a manager position. So I did that in 2016 and spent six years as the manager, field manager. So helping guys out in the field, day-to-day operations, that kind of stuff. Right. So, huh. anyway, here I am. <laughs> yeah, so you've you've probably seen quite a bit, just lots of damages and, and just learning how to train new people. Do you have any any stories on on like damages or, or just in helping, helping the new people? Yeah, lots of helping new people. That's for sure. So I spent, uh, like I said, I was uh, a lead trainer for, for a pretty large locating company in Ontario. And I'd say I trained probably, at, you know, close to you know, probably at 300 people through, through my classes over the four years I did it. Now that being said, not everyone, you know, makes it no. <laughs> all the way through. Some of them, you know, find out in training that it's not the right career for them. It's not for everybody. That's for sure. I think anyone that's ever located can, can tell you that it takes a special breed of person to be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of knowledge that goes in, into it. It looks easy on the outside. Like I know my buddies used to make fun of me all the time, right? Like, oh, you just paint lines on the ground or you're sleeping in your truck. That was a good one. Yeah. But I uh, didn't see the the back end of it where you have to read the utility mapping. Then you had to replicate those maps and, and provide drawings to the contractors. So that's what I was doing when they you know, thought I was sleeping. I was probably drawing. Yeah, they <laughs> so, just see the paint on the ground. Like, oh, it can't be that hard to put some paint on the ground. Yeah, yeah, they don't see the whole thing. And it, you know what? The, the thing that caught me with locating, and I used to tell this to people in the class all the time, was, you know, it kind of is part of my personality is like, I was interested in policing. So it's like that investigative kind of side of things. And that's kind of what utility locating is to me is, you know, investigating a site and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, and trying to, trying to figure out how everything's, you know, linked together and how it all works. It's, you know, one of my favorite types of locates to do is actually private locates because you're going in there blind. You don't have any records. And like I say, you got to kind of look around and, and look for clues and try to piece the puzzle together and try to figure out what's uh, what utilities are there and, and where they come from and all that stuff. So Yeah. Now, I, I hear you about the private stuff because that's what I used to do for 10 years before I started with this large company doing the doing the public utilities but yeah it's, it was nice to just be that guy right who can who can figure things out for the for the homeowner or or whatnot and you know, be yeah, able to piece it all together yeah there's a lot of skill sets that go into in the locating that's why i don't think it's for everybody i think there's a physical component i mean it's not super labor intensive like you know you're walking and, and stuff but it, it you know it can be tiresome depending on what the conditions are outside if you're trudging through snow all day or it's really really hot out in the summertime it, it kind of wears on you yeah but it's not super labor intensive so but there's a lot that goes into you know like i said reading the utility mapping is is difficult to do if you're not into that kind of thing there's obviously a huge computer component to it you got to be computer literate you got to be able to get around on a on a computer and and 
more than just basics too. Like I know they always used to say that, oh, we can teach you the basics, but it does. I think you're a, a, obviously going to be a better locator if you're you know, more adept <laughs> on the computer. Yeah, if you're able to so, dig dig deep into the mapping and really figure that out and not be afraid of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just be tech savvy, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about some damages that you witnessed. I know as a manager, you know, you weren't, it wasn't your direct fault, but what are some memorable? Well, I did have a couple of damages on my own as a locator, actually. Huh. I had one on a, on a communication cable and I had one gas main that was hit. The main was not a hundred percent of my fault, <laughs> right. which every locator probably says that, but yeah, yeah. it was an end of main. And actually some of the processes that came out of that, you know, that are still used to this day to that, to that, that company I was, I was talking about, but anyway, so yeah, one was an end of main damage and the other was a communication cable. It was an encapsulated cable and just signal bled off onto the cable TV. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. That's so easy to do when, so. when the, when the cable and the, like the phone lines are so close together. Yeah. Well, the interesting part about that is that those two cables ran together the entire distance. Like, um, it was like an older subdivision, so that they were installed at the same time. But what happened was there was a previous damage at this uh, intersection, and the cables were the one cable was repaired, and when it was dropped back into the hole after the repair, it was separated from the <coughs> cable TV cable. Right. And I, I don't know if that's what caused the bleed off onto the onto the uh, cable TV. Or, or what? Like they went through the splice and, and, and jumped over. I had no idea, but yeah, I didn't get the right cable going across the intersection. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes so, those anyway. situations are just unavoidable. It, it, like if you're dealing with a, a repair in the past, and then they just threw it in the hole. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. So when I was in the quality assurance field, I used to attend damages all the time. So I've I've seen. Numerous damages over the years, but you know, there was a couple of really expensive damages that I can recall, naming company names, but the, some, some of the bigger damages I've seen were you know, telecommunication cables getting hit. In one instance, there was a, an incident where a structure, a duct structure was hit close to a major highway and wiped out fibers and large cables and things like that. That was pretty significant. It was in the, you know, well over a hundred thousand dollar range wow. for that repair. Yeah, there was another incident I, I recall up in, in northern Ontario. Same type of thing. There was bridge construction and a, and a duct structure that was attached to the bridge. It was damaged during the. Uh, it wasn't really a demolition of the bridge, but they were doing work on the bridge and, and removing some sections of it and panels to replace and. That structure was uh, pretty significant in value. I think it was north of 250k and, and climbing. I don't know if it's ever been resolved. I know it was in in, uh, in court for a bit too. So, was that locator's uh, problem or fault? It was. It was located. There was some misinformation about. Oh, I sound like Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. There was some misinformation about the status of the cables, whether they were live or abandoned. And I think there was some 
miscommunication on that at the, at the live camp. Cables were damaged. Right. Wow. So yeah. without giving too much away, that's yeah. And then I remember having the shit scared out of me when I first started at that locate company. We were in training. I had a, a gentleman there that was training us that, uh, you know, I've, I've worked them for several years with that company and great guy, great trainer. But anyway, he was talking about an incident and it's well known across Ontario, the Bloor street incident. Oh yeah. And there was a pretty significant loss of life there. I, I believe there were seven, seven casualties. There was a lot of fines handed out. Obviously it was a pretty significant event. Was that the one in the yeah. mall? It was a, a strip plaza. Yeah. And there was an internal gas meter that fed the strip plaza. Yeah. And it was missed on the on the locate. And so when they were digging with the high hoe outside the strip plaza, they pulled the pulled the service out of the meter inside the building and filled with gas and, and exploded. So it was quite a significant event that kind of, you know, really put an emphasis on on the locating industry and then it really that was in 2003, I want to say, or 2004, that incident happened. I started in 06, so they were still talking about it. It was still before the courts at that time. So, Yeah, and then uh, there were some changes after yeah. that regarding inside meters. Yeah, so one of the things that some of the gas companies have been working on over the last decade or so is removing internal meters and getting them out, outside where they can vent properly. Yeah. So... But that that incident, you know, really puts it into perspective, right? Really, you know, gives you that sense of responsibility. Like when you think back on that, you know, it's it's crazy how quick something like that could happen. You know, and we used to see gas damages all the time, right? Like, so it has to. There the conditions, the right conditions have to be met in order for an explosion like that to occur obviously there's has to be the right amount of gas and oxygen but you never know when it could happen right so yeah the risk is always always there yep exactly yeah but yeah it's it in perspective so anytime you're locating anything that's you know volatile so any gas or oil infrastructure or any power infrastructure you're uh, it's potentially deadly right yeah so it's, it's, have you learned anything now that you're back doing power like back locating from a management position you're back out in the field have you learned anything more about how to locate power specifically like for their their own utility or whatnot yeah for sure yeah so i did a lot of a lot of the training as a qa rep and i i learned a lot you know from other people doing doing training as well but that's the one thing say too about this uh, this job is you're always learning you're either adapting to new technology that's come out or you're just learning about there's always more infrastructure going in the ground there's different uh, methods of putting stuff in there's different material types that you're dealing with the fiber world like you know it's you've got lots of different types of uh, utilities going in the ground and you have to stay up on your skills so but if, if you're not learning something as a locator, you know, pretty consistently, I'd say that, you know, you're maybe not engaged because <laughs> there's always things to learn. Yeah. If your first impulse when you're faced with a problem is to, is to call your supervisor, which is good. 
and like, yes, you do might need to call someone, but you know, accept that challenge is like, Oh, I want to, I want to figure this out first. Let's see if I can do this. I want to learn something here. And then, Oh, exactly. And then call a supervisor yeah. to sign off on it. Yeah. And I always used to say that too, as long as if people give it a, a, a good try and, you know, I was always willing to, to go and help out in the field whenever possible too. And sometimes, you know what, it, you're stumped even. That's what I like about it. Like, you know, the easiest of locates or what you perceive might be the easiest located, you know, could have everything wrong with it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. as far as, you know, lots of transition points for, for gas or broken tracer wires will pretty much screw a locate. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. So you're always running into issues. Unbonded uh, telecommunication cables can cause problems. There's all kinds of little issues. Common bonding. Most houses everything's bonded back to the water, right? So there's always issues with common bonding and trying to isolate utilities and understanding, making sure that you're on the right utility. And that's a big thing I know with locating power because the power is bonded back to the water and everything's bonded back to the power. The telecom and the cable TV, I spent a lot of time trying to remove those bonds so that I can isolate the power cable. Right. So every utility has its own difficulties. Like water is, depending on the material type, can be difficult to locate. If it's cast or ductile iron or something like that, it just doesn't carry a signal. It's not a conductive, uh, or it's not as conductive as other materials, like copper. You know, like I said before, broken tracer wires will pretty much stop you in your tracks. There's all kinds of all kinds of issues that can come up. Not to mention dealing with contractors or homeowners. Do you have any any good yeah. stories about that? Oh, well, it's, it depends, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, threatened and run off properties, you know, as a locator. And I've had to deal with it for my locators in the field. I know I always told my guys, if you ever ran into something like that, just keep a cool head and give me a call and we'll try to work it out but i did have one locator that was threatened to be shot so the police got involved on that right incident and actually coming come to think of it i was actually threatened one time in a field i was doing a locate for some transmission gas lines that ran across a farmer's field and the farmer wasn't too happy about me flagging it right because he was worried about the flags getting caught in his bailing activities now, mind you, there's an easement through the property, so it's a paid easement from the gas company. So, anyway, cooler heads prevailed, and you know, he came back after and apologized to me for the threats. But there's nothing he can do, and you've got something running through a field like that, and they're doing excavation work around it. Actually, they were doing integrity digs to actually dig up the pipeline. You got to, you got to mark it. You don't have much choice. So. No. Anyway, he yeah. did come back and apologize after, but it was uh, interesting. He chased me down in the field in a pickup truck. I was about two or 300 meters off the road at the time walking this field. And I just see this, you know, big white four by four pickup truck barreling down at me. Oh. It was kind of a, Looking back, it was kind of comical. I'm sure at the time it was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
they chased uh, chased out of plenty of backyards, you know, family dog in the backyard. Oh, yeah. So I've learned, you know, give a whistle and shake the gate. We actually used to do some dog training because that is one of the nemesis predators of a, a locator. Yeah. And, a, and the mailmen can, can probably testify to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I always have a few dog treats in my pocket just in case. Just throw them, throw them at the dog. See, I've never carried the treats in my pocket. I, you know, my, my reasoning for that was I've got something that he wants. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that would help you or you know cause more problems. So, yeah, I've never carried the treats, but I've, you know, there's lots of tactics you can use to try to keep you know the dog away from you. But they're you know they're territorial by nature, so you're. A, in their backyard and they're just doing what they're supposed to do right protect the protect the property so yep and usually the homeowners that don't hear you and comes out <laughs> oh yeah for sure there's the odd time you have a, a dog that's maybe napping in the backyard doesn't hear you right away and you kind of startle it those ones are, are good too yeah so you think you think you're safe to proceed and then next thing you know you're jumping the fence yeah yeah Yeah, so, I mean, I've come across lots of other issues with, uh, you know, you're always dealing with the public, and that's another part to the, you know, skill set of a locator is you've got to be able to, got to be able to talk to people and explain. You're always the first one on site, so you generally got to explain what's going on. In a lot of cases, homeowners don't don't even know that there's going to be construction going on in their neighborhood, right? So. You have to explain it to them. <laughs> yeah, we're the first. We're the first ones that show up for the big jobs, and always wondering what's going on. Yeah, why are you painting my lawn? You know, so it's yeah. So you end up, you know, having to do it to people. Some people, you know, don't like it. And they, you know, they're protective of their property as well. They don't, you know, some people take a lot of time to manicure their lawns and don't like, you know, having them painted and trampled on but unfortunately you sometimes have to be the bearer of bad news and explain to them that they're coming in with some heavy equipment and they're going to rip up you know the whole street and all the curbs and <laughs> yeah. half the boulevard exactly you know, so i always say and then that gets them wound up even more yeah you know, so. yeah i always say i'm here <laughs> to make sure that they don't hit the gas line can you agree with me on that that you don't want them to hit the gas line mm -hmm. yeah so let's put this paint down yeah yeah exactly yeah and if it's cold outside, yeah, you can use the gas line or, or the power. You know, you want to keep the lights on, right? So, yeah. Or this day and age, everyone needs the internet, so that's another valuable asset that's in the ground. Yeah. They're all valuable, but that catches people's attention, right? A lot of people work from home too, so. Yeah, the fiber but, uh, fiber internet is really becoming a necessity. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure it is. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people work from home and can't afford to have either their power go out or their internet yeah, or, or their heat for that matter. So, yeah. Yeah. Once you explain what you're doing, generally people are pretty good about it, but uh, you do have the odd person that's you know, a little rambunctious and gets a little hot under the collar and calls you, you know, a few names or <laughs> yeah, that's the extreme case. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Trying to explain what you're doing is you get questions all the time too. Like I, I think every locator's been asked if he's looking for gold or, you know, 
Boyle or something like that. You know, yeah. People are always, the witty ones always come up with that. Or, so. or can I, can I help <laughs> but, you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, think they know where stuff is, like to try to tell you where it is. <laughs> yeah. That's always the, that's always the funniest ones. Oh yeah. It's right there. It's like, Oh, here, here's my, here's your, here, you can paint it then. If you think you know where yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll trust, I'll trust the instrument. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's I used to get that all the time when I was doing private stuff in people's backyards that, yeah, the neighbor would come over and say, oh, I know exactly where that is. And, oh, I know what, I know, I know more about this. And, yeah, but it's just, and it, and then once I found what I was looking for, it was completely on the other side of the house. Yeah. It was just really, <laughs> really comical. Now on the flip side of that, there is the odd time where it, someone is correct and, and it has come in handy. I've had that searching for gas valves. You know, I had a guy come out and ask me what I was looking for. I was using a bar finder. I said, I was looking for the gas valve and he knew exactly where it was because he'd been cutting the grass over top of it for 40 years. He knew exactly where on the property it was and saved me a couple extra minutes for sure. Oh yeah, it, it, it so is. Sometimes they do have that. Yeah, if you're stumped, then, you know, it's advice that you can at least try to go on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I just have a few final questions here. Sure. What is your opinion on witching? My opinion on witching? Yeah. I would not use witching solely as my only way of locating a line. However, in my experience, in the right hands, it does work. I don't know why or how, but uh, when I was younger, I used to work I'm from a rural community and I used to work on some farm doing some drainage and, and things like that. And that's how we used to find the field tiles was by witching them and it worked. I don't know what the science is behind it exactly, but it does work. I actually did a locate for a buddy of mine. He was trying to find a drain in his backyard and so I explained go grab me a couple of coat hangers and I'll find it for you. And yeah. Anyway, long story short, he, he's <laughs> pretty surprised when they, you know, found it and then they dug down and, and found the line. He thought it was some voodoo, voodoo shit I was doing or something. I don't know. It was, he said, oh, I know why they call it witching and you must be a witch to, to make it happen. That's it's, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I do think, you know, it works, but I wouldn't use it as the only way to locate something. Just it, there's no way to positively identify exactly what it is that you found. Like it could just be an anomaly or I don't know. It, it's a, it's a place to start. You know, I've used it on private locates in the past, trying to find like sewer laterals and things like that, but just gives you an idea as to where to, to start looking for other clues, right? Yeah, so you're at least able to start digging somewhere to find it first, because like you don't want to do any other digging until you find that. That yeah, exactly. It's just like you know, doing power sweep would be the same thing. Yeah, it's more of an an avoidance tactic. Like I've seen some excavators, some good excavators will actually, if they own a locate set, will do a power sweep just to make sure that everything's accounted for, because you can pick up other utilities other than just power. Right. You can pick up a cable TV and, and a cathodic protection on gas if it's if it's a steel gas line. 
So you can pick up some other other utilities with it as well. But in a private locate setting, it, it's a good tool to use just to do a, a sweep and, and see if there's anything in the area. That, and if you can follow it back to a source, then you can actively locate it by connecting directly to the utility. Right. So it does have a place, but it's just a, I wouldn't use it as my, my only confirmation of no. where a utility is located. Yeah, my f- final question here. When was the last time you forgot your transmitter? <laughs> oh, well, the funny story. I would say probably, oh, it was probably a few months ago, actually. And it was brief. It was a brief, forgot my transmitter, but I just went to the to the coffee shop and I was going to head back into town and I just happened to look in the back seat and noticed that it wasn't there. Right. I had to use the facilities as well, so I think that's probably why I was urgently leaving the property and yeah. uh. search out a coffee shop. But a couple months ago, it happened, and uh, you know, a few months ago, I also had a transmitter stolen. So, oh, I mean, while I was uh, I was locating around a corner, and I lost my signal. I turned and retraced my steps back to where I was connected, and. Uh, Everything was gone. Wow. So I lost transmitter, tools, yeah. you know, miscellaneous hand tools and, and an impact gun. And yeah, it was a pretty shitty day, that one. Yeah, so for sure. It's tough to do locates when you don't have a transmitter. Yep. I've got two transmitters, a crappy one that I went in the <laughs> ghetto. That's the one I use. And then a nice one with the, with my tools in it there too. Yeah. When I first started this, it would have been 15 years ago or more, I was doing a locate at the end of the day, and it's always on Friday. So I left my transmitter connected to an OPI doing some communication locates. And anyway, left it overnight. And my buddy, I was telling him the story because he worked with me and it was in his hometown. And he started laughing and he said he was out for a walk with his wife the night that I forgot it and saw it and heard it buzzing away yeah. at this OPI. And it took me a minute, you know, when I realized where it, that I'd left it overnight. And then I had to think about it for, oh, I don't know, a good 20 minutes to think about where I was last. You know, you know when you're busy, it just, they, they all kind of blend together so i'm trying to figure out where i was you know was it did i leave it at that gas meter did i leave it on this road or anyway so when i told him the story kind of laughed i said well why didn't you pick it up you yeah. thought i was doing an emergency or something yeah or at least at least call me say say oh <laughs> yeah yeah and it was still when i went to pick it up the next day it was still buzzing away all right so well. those were some good batteries and old rd yeah what do you use now? I actually I I'm back on an RD, so that's what I learned. On I learned on an RD four thousand, which is kind of a big boat anchor of a, a locate set. If I remember right, it took twelve batteries in the base and four in the handset, and the and the receiver was quite a bit bigger than and heavier than what. Uh, we have now, but you could run it over with a truck right? Huh. and it would still work. They were pretty robust. You could throw them over fences. 
I've had to throw mine, you know, several times being chased by dogs or whatever, throw it over a fence and it just kept ticking. I don't ever remember having any other issues with it. Aside from the battery compartment, the prongs, I would just have to tighten them up a bit just because they would get loose over time. But right. I don't ever recall having to send it in for a repair. Huh. So I learned on that. Then I switched to an RD7000 with that same okay company. And then when I was doing the training, the in-class training, I'd always used an RD, but because we were kind of transitioning over into the BVAX Metrotech unit, I thought I should familiarize myself. So I, I got one of our one of the first units that they tested and learned how to use it. Actually ended up really liking those locators. They're not quite as forgiving, let's say, as the original RDA I had as far as uh, taking the abuse, but a lot, it's got a lot more bells and whistles, a lot more technology behind it, I, th- I think. And then now that I've switched companies, I'm back on an RD7000. Does it have some new features? Is that the newer one? It has a couple more frequencies than what I recall the other one that I had. The original one only had three. Four thousand only had three frequencies: five, twelve, eight, sixty-five. But yeah, this one's got more more options. It's got thirty-three, sixty-five, two hundred. Not that I use sixty-five or two hundred very often, but yeah, it's got a few more features. And whatever. We also do a lot of fault finding and stuff like that too. So it's nice with the A-frame. I think the A-frame works pretty slick on it. Yeah, that's one thing I've never done yet, but it'd be interesting to see how that works. The fault locating? Yeah. And that's the thing. And so like there's, as you get gain experience, right? And you, you see more things. There's so many options with locating. There's different, I've been involved in different projects and things that, you know, they're locate related, but. Like I've done depth of cover surveys before where you're taking those gas transmission lines that were running across fields. So we were taking depth readings to make sure that it it met NEB guidelines for depth. Obviously, if there's farming activities going on in the field, then it could be a critical damage, you know, with a plow or or something hitting a, a gas line. So they had to have so much cover. And we did that, you know, it's three or 400 kilometers worth of transmission lines actually it's it's four lines that run together so 400 kilometers times four and he had to walk every single line taking a, a depth measurement about every eight to ten meters wow all the way across the field and all the way from one end of ontario to basically the other <laughs> yeah it was quite the project but anyway we've done stuff like that before we've done some eis and data collection you know it kind of goes hand in hand with the locating. So it's it's pretty interesting doing that type of stuff. There's just so many options. And then you get into subsurface utility engineering. I've done a little bit of that too, which is it's pretty cool. They've got some pretty neat gadgets for for doing that nowadays. Like, you know, seen GPRs before, but they have some tow behind uh, GPRs that go behind a vehicle that you can basically drive at highway speed and it takes a cross section of the utilities below the, below the road surface. It's pretty, wow. pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's all kinds of neat little things that you run into after being in the business for a bit. Yeah. I like, I like all the new, new stuff that I'm just a techie, a nerd. So I, I enjoy, you know, 
reading about the new things that are coming down the down the pipe in in terms of how, what we can use to locate stuff faster and more more efficiently oh, yeah. that it gets documented accurately better and i think we're a little behind the times and especially you know in canada compared to um, you know the us has got a pretty strong one call system you know with the 811 and so that's a national number, right? You just dial 811 and you get a response from the utilities in your area. Like that's pretty, pretty cool. Ontario is kind of segmented by province, right? Every province has their own one call system. But uh, yeah, the, the U.S. has, I think they're a little ahead of us on some of the technology aspects to using video and, and photos you know, for locates. Yeah, we're still stuck that we have to do, us, have right? to give drawings or some type of paperwork. Yeah. I think it'll come around too, but like some of the GIS technologies are pretty cool too. Like being able to plot, you know, different utilities and uh, identify them on a GIS map. There's some pretty cool features with that. I I don't think the technology is quite there yet. It's a little bit cumbersome. I know you got to carry some extra antennas and things like that to make sure you're getting a, a signal, satellite signal, but. There is some pretty cool connectivity between the locator and, and you know an iPad or or whatever device. That's not a plug for Apple or anything, but <laughs> right. you know there's some pretty cool options. Even the use of drones now to do you know it's kind of surveying and, and but there's aspects that you can use for for locating and, and engineering that subsurface utility engineering I was talking about. It's another gadget that they use. It's, it's a drone to give you a topical view of the street or intersection or whatever. Yeah, a buddy of mine uses he has a drone that he that the gas company here hires him to do stuff. So I, I keep telling him, Oh, you should look at, you know, doing like figuring out how to use the drone for that depth of cover or or other other things that you just you know, slowly fly over it instead of walking it. Well they fly a lot of those high pressure transmission gas lines they fly over and make sure that there's no you know excavation activities happening in and around the pipeline and then they just check make sure that there's no erosion issues or anything like that so yeah that's another i'm sure it's cheaper to fly a drone than it is to fly an airplane or a helicopter so yeah so that is the way options are going yeah, and like I, I was just at a conference actually a couple of weeks ago, and so we we're sitting in some of these. They have these little breakout sessions that they do, and they'll have people from the industry come up and talk about their company or their area of expertise. And there was a guy, and he was into the subsurface utility engineering, and he was showing some of their uh, some examples of some of the work that they've done. And it's pretty cool, like some of the three D models and things that they can generate. It's a digital model. But it's all done with drones and these subsurface cameras that they use to go, you know, into manholes and confined spaces and things to take snapshots of how big those items are, and everything's to scale. So in the model, they've got a topog- topographical view of the, you know, street scape, and and they've got the buildings, and then it, it kind of scaled below the surface and it showed all the gas lines and communication cables and power cables it was pretty pretty cool to see it's like a 3d digital model i guess right 
pretty interesting stuff if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> like you, I'm kind of a bit of a locate nerd too, I guess. But yeah, I just I do find it I do find it interesting, and you know, it's it's pretty cool to you know people don't see any of that stuff, right? So they you just don't believe it exists until you can visualize it, and, and that's what this 3D model kind of puts it in perspective because now you can see everything. You know how it's all intertwined together and how it all kind of works and yeah it just gives you a different sense of what's going on below right so my yeah. wife used to make fun of me when we went to Hannah's wonderland and we'd be walking around and i'd say oh there's a gas main here you know there's a water main running under our feet or whatever you know like there'd be painting on the ground because when they move some of the rides and things they have to do locates and there's quite the infrastructure at, you know, a theme park like that. There's, you know, manholes and, and power cables running every which way. And obviously with the water rides and things, there's lots of water pipes and, and gas lines. And it's pretty, pretty neat. It's like a little city. Yeah. yeah it's hard to shut the brain off when you go on vacation. You just always see that stuff. Oh, you see it all the time. I'm always looking at that stuff. I don't really talk about it. I don't want my wife to think I'm a, I'm a nerd, but (laughs) I, I'm always processing it as you're walking you don't even realize you're doing it half the time, you know, but I notice stupid things like drops off poles and, you know, you're just kind of programmed to, to view things a certain way, right. As a locator. So yeah. Yeah. It's hard to shut it off. Like you say, you just, well, this has been, it's been good. So I appreciate you coming on and and sharing us sharing with us your your career path as a as a locator and what you've what you learned. So hopefully it'll yeah, help no people problem. out to to really embrace this career and and do the best they can. Yeah, for sure. Anytime, Dave. I appreciate you having me on here. Hopefully, you can work your magic with your editing and get yeah. rid of all my ums and ahs and all that stuff. Maybe the odd. I don't know. I didn't swear too many times. I don't think so. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to keep it uh, PG. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate you thinking of me to come on and glad I could share some of my experience. That concludes today's episode. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please visit forgotmytransmitter.com for instructions on how to submit your info. And remember, don't forget your transmitter.